0: Chapter 11, beginning at verse 25, continuing through chapter 12, verse 21. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence? Was it not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read the law, how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him? He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep, so it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, "Stretch out your hand," and the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill
1: It was the beginning of another school year, and a teacher was asking her students, was, was making conversation with them, and this teacher looked at the, this little girl and said, well, what are you going to be when you grow up? And without skipping a beat, the girl looked back at her and said, tired. You know, yeah, I think we can relate to that, can't we? There's an article that I found from January of last year that said three out of five U.S. adults say they are more tired now than they ever have been. We are a tired and a weary people. And yes, we do need more physical rest probably than we're currently getting. But what about spiritual rest? Are you getting spiritual rest? Because today we hear an invitation from Jesus to give it a rest. We hear an invitation from Jesus to come and find rest. Not for your body, but for your soul. So what does it mean for us? To give it a rest spiritually. What does it mean for us to enter into God's rest? Let's begin by talking about the Sabbath, which we see a couple of controversies surrounding the Sabbath. So let's talk about what the Sabbath is. And friends, the Sabbath was God's gift of rest to his people. It's the fourth of the Ten Commandments. It was a commandment to take a weekly Sabbath rest. And the Lord offers this reason why the seventh day was to be a Sabbath rest. And this is Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, holy, at its most basic meaning, means to be set apart. The Sabbath was made holy. It was set apart and it was given as a gift of rest to humanity. You see, friends, you've got to understand that at the beginning of creation, when we read in Genesis, what did God do? God brought into being everything that is. He created and gave form to everything that you see. Matter, space, planets, stars, trees, animals, humans. He gave form to it, but He also created and gave form to the structure of time itself. God structured time by giving us days, marking them with sunrise and sunset. And then he structured the passing of time with a seven-day rhythm. Six days of work, one day of rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. So just as the Lord had created good boundaries between the sea and the land, and good boundaries between the sky and the sea, the Lord created good boundaries between work and rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. And the creation account concludes in Genesis 2-2. On the seventh day, God finished His work of creation that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. Now friends, when you read that, you need to understand, God resting here is not because He was tired. He wasn't like, That creation, that was tough. I'm going to take a little nap here. You see, throughout the Scriptures we find that Repeatedly, God does not grow tired or weary. God is. He does not diminish. He does not grow weary. So when the Lord rests on the seventh day, friends, He didn't rest because He needed to. He rested because He knew we would need to. He was structuring time. Six days of work and a day set apart wholly for rest. This was part of God's creating, ordering, and structuring all of creation. He rested on the seventh day, giving us a pattern to follow and offering us the gift of rest. This is why Jesus says, and we hear him recorded in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You see, the Lord didn't need to rest, but we do, so the Sabbath was made for humanity's rest. We don't serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given to serve us for our rest. And church, you need to understand that when God commanded this as part of the Ten Commandments, this command was absolutely revolutionary in the day and the age that it was given. In other Near Eastern societies and law codes that we have, we find that rest was often given to the wealthy and to the powerful and to the men. But, if you're poor, a servant, a foreigner, or a woman, you can't hope for any rest. However, the Sabbath, we find, was given not just to men, not just to wealthy, not just to the powerful, but was a gift to all people. Because the full commandment that we find in Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 9, says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. So all people, all people, male and female, Israelite and foreigner, from the very greatest to the very least, were given the gift of rest. Sabbath was given to Israel to serve as a reminder of her deliverance from slavery in Egypt when she had no rest. When Israel was in Egypt, do you think the slave masters were like, oh yeah, no, take a day off. Their time was not their own. And they had no rest. So when Moses, in fact, repeats The words of the Ten Commandments, and we hear in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 15, he says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The the Lord says, Israel, you remember when you were slaves in Egypt and you were given no rest by your unjust masters? Well, you know what? Now that you're the ones in power, don't be like that. You shall not be like that, but from the greatest to the least, they shall be given rest. And friends, more than that, we find that we quickly become slaves to our work, don't we? We, we have a tendency as people to, to overwork because we have this unending, unyielding cycle of striving and earning and working, and it goes and it goes and it goes, and the Sabbath rest breaks that. It forces us to stop. It forces us to stop and recognize that our dependence, that our provision is ultimately not going to be from our hand, but it's from God who gives us all good things. The Sabbath rest forces us to stop and recognize our dependence upon Him. The Sabbath was to liberate God's people, not only from their slavery in Egypt, but their slavery for it to overwork, to break the chains of their self-sufficiency. The one day in seven was the day when they rested and recognized the provision of God. And they confessed His goodness, and they simply worshipped and enjoyed Him. The Sabbath was a weekly invitation to just give it a rest. Stop your striving. Stop your earning. Stop your attempts at deserving. Let them cease and rest in Me. The Lord invites. But God's people did what we still do today. They sought to earn what God was freely offering. They sought to earn... What God was freely offering. Because the question was, if God's people are commanded here not to work on the Sabbath day, then what exactly constitutes work that is forbidden on the Sabbath? And in came to our rescue the scribes to spell out the prohibitions and the Pharisees to enforce them. Now, there have been identified by Orthodox Jewish scribes 39 categories of Sabbath work that are prohibited. And these categories include wide categories such as carrying or burning or writing. For example, today, even today, Orthodox Jews observe these prohibitions. For example, the prohibition against burning. It's clearly spelled out. Exodus 35, verse 3, it commands, You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling place on the Sabbath day. And so the scribes saw that and they taught that even throwing the smallest piece of wood like a toothpick into a fire... That would be a violation of the Sabbath. And today, Orthodox Jews, because an automobile engine works by burning gasoline, if you turn on the ignition or step on the accelerator, you're causing gas to burn. So therefore, Orthodox Jews do not drive cars on the Sabbath. And also, according to most Jewish authorities, electricity has the same status as fire uh, as with regard to the Sabbath. So observant Jews will not turn on or off any electrical appliance on the Sabbath, including lights. Or, for many of you, you've been to New York City. And if you go to an area of New York City or other area where there's a large population of Orthodox Jews, you'll find that in the hospitals and the high-rise buildings, there are Shabbat or Sabbath elevators. And on the Sabbath, that elevator will automatically stop at each and every floor on its way up and on its way down because it is prohibited for an Orthodox Jew on the Sabbath to press buttons on the elevator because that would cause the elevator to operate itself. But even more than that, when you press it, it might cause the display to write a new number and writing is prohibited on the Sabbath. Friends, is this what God was trying to get at? when He was inviting His people to rest. Is this the Lord's intention for the Sabbath? You see, in these two interactions that that Tim read for us today with the Pharisees, we find recorded that the Pharisees in their zeal to protect the Sabbath from any work, Jesus says, you're missing the point of the Sabbath. You've made it into something that you do or don't do. You've made it into something that you earn but this was a gift, and gifts aren't earned; they're received. You're missing the Lord's rest. In the first one of the accounts in chapter twelve, verses eight through one through eight, we see Jesus and his disciples walking through a grain field on the Sabbath, and they're hungry, and so they pick some kernels of grain, they rub them in their hands um, to separate them so that they can eat them. Now, this isn't stealing. This isn't stealing because what they're doing actually falls under the provisions of the Mosaic Law in Deuteronomy 23. But, in order to protect the Sabbath command of God, the Pharisees dogmatically interpreted the rubbing of grain as a form of threshing, which according to Exodus 34, you weren't supposed to do. And thus, they called Jesus and His disciples out. And Jesus responds with kind of a a cutting, stinging remark. He says in verse 3, Haven't you read? Now friends, the scribes and the Pharisees prided themselves on being the most literate and knowledgeable of the people. So when He goes, haven't you read? Of course we've read. He was taking a dig at them. The problem was, Jesus says, you've read. But you've missed the point of what you've read. You have the knowledge. But you don't understand. What it says. And Jesus refers back to an incident that's recorded for us in 1 Samuel 21, when King David and his companions, they were out working on God's purposes. They became hungry, and they did what was forbidden. They ate the showbread put out in the temple sanctuary, which was only for the priests. And yet, Jesus notes that when you look at that account, the Lord did not condemn their actions. And then in verse 5, Jesus says, well, even the priests, do you notice that the priests, they work on the Sabbath. They're violating your commands, yet they're held guiltless by the Lord of not violating His rest. So Jesus' point to the scribes and the Pharisees is your legalistic interpretations are clearly missing the point of the command to rest. So guys, you guys just give it a rest. For all of your work, for all of your work to keep the Sabbath, Jesus says, you're failing to enter into God's rest and to enjoy His blessings. Jesus declares that the intent of the Sabbath is not mere ritual observance, but to bring rest and well-being. And then Jesus quotes the prophet Hosea in verse 7. He says, And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would, have con- would not have condemned the guiltless. Now, interestingly, for those of you that are a little bit more astute, you might have picked up that just two chapters ago, Jesus actually quoted the same verse from the prophet Hosea. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, when Jesus was being condemned by Pharisees for eating with those tax collectors and sinners, he quotes the same verse, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus' statement is, for all of your education, for all of your knowledge of the prophets, you're not understanding what they wrote. You don't understand what they said. Jesus tells the scribes and the Pharisees, the way that you're interpreting and applying the law proves you're more enamored with the ritual of the Sabbath than the intent of the Sabbath. You are more concerned with looking good than actually doing good. You love the forms, the sacrifice, more than the function, mercy. And as such, even in your efforts to keep the Sabbath, you're failing to enter the Lord's rest. You're missing the point of the Sabbath, and you're missing the blessing of God. And this is made all the more clear in the second account in verses 9 through 14. Scribes and Pharisees, friends, they held that even healing was work. And so, therefore, it was work that would be prohibited from the Sabbath. So they try to tempt Jesus to heal this man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. Is healing a violation of God's intention for Sabbath rest? Now, friends, on a side note, Jesus displays some audacity here. And he goes and he does heal on the Sabbath. And you note that in verse 14, what's the response of the Pharisees? They use the Sabbath to plot murder. And I kind of feel like planning murder might be a violation of Sabbath rest. I don't know. I think you should plan that on other days of the week. There's a little joke, a little humor there. All right. All right. So Jesus declares to the Pharisees in verses 11 and 12, he says, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous, guys. The law allows you to do good to an animal on the Sabbath. So how could I not be allowed to do good to a person on the Sabbath? He declares in verse 12, of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. He just says it. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Because, friends, Jesus has come as the divine authoritative interpreter of the law and the divine authoritative interpreter of the Sabbath and what is allowed and not allowed on the Sabbath. Remember, Jesus declared at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.17, He said, don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus has come not to abolish the law, but to help us rightly interpret the law, because Jesus is the author of the law. And thus, as He declares in Matthew 12, verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus goes, listen, I can tell you what Sabbath rest means because I'm the author of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And friends, this is good news. It's good news. A definitive interpreter of the law has come to tell us and to reveal to us what God means and what God has said. But there's even better news in this statement and in this passage. In chapter 12 here, verse 6, Jesus makes a comment that sounds like a side comment, but is so important. He says, I tell you, something greater, something greater than the temple is here. Jesus says something greater is here. I've come not only as the definitive interpreter of the law, I'm greater than the law. He says, I'm greater than the temple. I am greater than the Sabbath. Jesus is greater not because he abolishes these things. Jesus is greater because he fulfills these things. The Sabbath was good. But friends, the Lord of the Sabbath has come. And that's even better. That's even better. If you thought a Sabbath rest was good, how about rest in the Lord of the Sabbath? The Sabbath law pointed people to the Lord's rest. But Jesus has come not just to point us to the Lord's rest, Jesus has come to bring the Lord's rest. He is the fulfillment of the purpose of the Sabbath. He has come to bring us rest. And that is why Jesus taught as he did earlier in the passage that Tim read for us Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Friends, we are tired. We are tired of trying to keep the law and falling short. We are tired of wondering if we've done enough. We are tired of trying to measure up, keep up, and put up. So Jesus says, give it a rest. The rest for which we long, the rest to which the Sabbath pointed, the rest which the Sabbath promises when Christ returns. Jesus says, in Me you find that rest. Come to Me and let it rest. Christ is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Friends, something greater than the Sabbath has come for the Lord of the Sabbath is here. The Sabbath points us to the Lord's rest. Jesus brings us that rest. And friends, in Christ we now can rest. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees had become so weighted down and burdened trying to keep the Sabbath and all the other laws. And in trying to keep the Sabbath, what happened? They missed the Lord of the Sabbath. They were trying to earn what Christ had come to freely give. They were trying to keep the law, and they missed the author of the law. They, like us, were masters of missing the point. And the danger was, these Pharisees and scribes were taking other people down with them. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 4, Jesus said of the scribes and Pharisees, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Following the teachings and interpretations of the Pharisees about how to keep the Sabbath or any of the law made true rest actually impossible, and so Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Now, literally, yoke was a wooden frame that would join together two animals, usually oxen, so that they could together pull a heavy load. And metaphorically, the word yoke in Jesus' day meant to take one, one individual to be subject to another, or in Judaism, to be subject to the law, to take the yoke of the law upon you. And Jesus is inviting his hearers away from the heavy yoke of teaching and interpretation that the Pharisees and scribes were trying to lay on them. And he goes, no, take my yoke upon you. Because in verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, whereas the scribes and Pharisees offered teachings and interpretations that were more and more burdensome and just crushed people, with their impossibility, Jesus says, my burden is light. And that's what the quote at the end of this passage is about. At the end of the passage that Tim read for us, there was a quote from Isaiah 42. And we read in Matthew chapter 12 verse 20, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory. So Jesus says, those who are heavy laden, those who are bent over and ready to break, those who are smoldering and ready to be extinguished, I haven't come to put further burden on you that's going to cause you to snap. I haven't come to extinguish those flames of hope that still are smoldering within you. Unlike the Pharisees who are just weighing you down and crushing all hope out of you, I have come and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because I pull the yoke along with you. The Pharisees won't lift a finger. But my yoke, yoke with me. I pull with you. I am the fulfillment of the Sabbath. I have come not just to point you to rest, but for you, weary, heavy laden, bent and ready to break, smoldering, ready to be extinguished. I have come to give you rest. And in me you will find rest for your souls. And friends, the author of the book of Hebrews spends two whole chapters exploring this theme of entering God's rest because in their disobedience, God's people in the Old Testament never actually entered God's rest. But there's a promise. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. If Joshua had given God's people rest, God wouldn't have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest. For the people of God. Friends, Moses and his protege Joshua led Israel to the promised land, but they were unable with the law to give the people rest. The Sabbath pointed back to the rest that they had in the garden. It pointed forward to a day when God would give them rest. But they were powerless to enjoy that rest. And so the good news, the Gospel, that God promises is He says there will be a Sabbath rest. And friends, that Sabbath rest is found in Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And so Hebrews 4.10 concludes, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Friends, the invitation is to rest. to, To give it a rest. To rest from trying to be good enough and yet falling short. To rest from doing all you can yet never knowing if it's enough. To rest from striving ceaselessly only to find that there's always more to do. Jesus Christ is the Sabbath rest promised to the people of God. Friends, we find our rest not by doing. We find our rest by trusting Christ. As the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 2.6, we know a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. Not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Friends, rest is not something we do. Rest is something that Christ has done and offers for us. Sabbath is not a law we fulfill. Sabbath finds its fulfillment in Christ. We find rest not in our works. We find rest in Jesus Christ who has worked on our behalf. Rest comes by faith. But friends, this doesn't make any sense to us. We don't like this. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees, we're a lot like them. We're a lot like them. You see, we want to be the smart ones who figure it all out. And who do it all right. And Jesus says, no, no, this isn't something you figure out. And this isn't something you do. This is something that has to be received, not done. And that's why the very first words that Tim read for us today in verses 25 and 26, At that time, Jesus declared, Thank you, Father of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and the understanding. And you revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Friends, Sabbath rest is a gift that has to be received and must be received like children. It's not something we figure out and do. Salvation, Sabbath, is not for the smartest or for those who do it best. It's for those who are ready to receive like little children. And once again, in verse 27, Jesus makes one of those statements. You know, those statements that that make us uncomfortable. In verse 27, All things have been handed over to Me by My Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Jesus is making the claim to exclusively be known by God and have an exclusive power to reveal the Father to whoever He chooses. Friends, if Jesus Christ is not who He claimed to be, if He is not the Son of God and yet He's making claims like this, then He is no great teacher. He's a lunatic or a liar and we shouldn't even be listening to Him. But if He is who He claimed to be, then He can reveal to us God the Father. He can tell us what the Sabbath means. He can come and be the fulfillment of the Sabbath. In Him alone then we can have rest. By faith in Him alone, we can find the rest for our souls that we need if Jesus truly is who He claims to be. Friends, we are physically tired. And yes, we need more physical rest than we often get. But the Gospel, the good news that we find here today is that Christ has invited us to give it a rest. To rest not in being good enough, but to rest in Jesus Christ. For in Him we find rest for our souls. To rest here and now and trust Him for that eternal rest when He returns. Sabbath law could only point us to that. But Christ is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. The Lord of the Sabbath. Something greater than the law is here. The fulfillment of the Sabbath. And He invites you and He invites me today. Come, all who labor and heavy laden, And I will give you rest. And friends, what stops you? What stops you from giving it a rest today? Let's pray. Father, thank You for the invitation. An invitation to rest. Because we're weary. We try to earn. We try to deserve. We try to do and we fall short. And even when we do well, we find that there's more to do. Lord, there's nothing that we can do to ever tip the scales. There's nothing we can ever do. And so we find ourselves exhausted spiritually. And you've come and said, Stop your laboring and find rest in Jesus Christ, in what he's done, in his death and his resurrection. Find rest in him, the rest your soul so desperately needs. Father, if there are those here who don't have the rest, that is in Christ. Who don't have peace in Him. Who have come here weary and longing for hope. Father, may they hear the invitation. May they respond. And may they find rest for their souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.